trying to strike a balance. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I was thinking the other day that last week we completed eight months, eight months of doing this radio program and podcast on a daily basis. And what a ride it's been. What a number of topics we've discussed. And, and lately in these last several weeks, I've been trying to get a better feel of what this radio program and podcast need to be doing to meet the times in which we live. One of the hardest things for me is trying to find that balance in what the program needs to give the listeners and the hope it can also present. I've learned one thing. Misery is a business. It can be. Bad news is it sells. It it makes money. It, It drives agendas. I get it. I've known a lot of radio programs, both secular and even some that claim to be Christian, that literally feed on fear. And the more they keep you in fear, the more they hope you will send to learn more about what you're what you're supposed to be afraid about today. For me, I, I try to find a balance. I want to find a balance between the bad news of this world and the good news of the gospel. How do the two come together? How do we stop living in fear? And that's not the easiest thing to do in the given format in which I have. We've talked a lot this past year about the virus, and I'll probably talk more about it even again next week. I've got some material here I doubt if I'll have time to get to today because in just a little while, I've got a friend coming on, a guest. He's been on the program two or three times already from Australia, and we're going to have him on in just a minute after I share just a couple of quick news stories with you, and then we're going to kind of see what's happening in the other parts of the world with this virus. And I noticed that the uh, Facebook, to give you an idea of where we're headed in terms of the information war, for lack of a better term, Facebook recently updated their terms of service, which includes new warnings against sharing information that the social media giant deems as a threat to the official government narrative surrounding COVID-19. In other words, the Zuckerberg empire no longer will allow you to share content that says anything against the Fauci doctrine, as we call it. You know, the doctrine that changes every week. So whatever Fauci says is truth. Whatever the Biden administration says is truth. Whatever the World Health Organization says is truth. And whatever the political operatives at the CDC says will always be truth. Even if it's wrong... It's still the truth. I've been reading stories about the wearing of a mask. Is it it really of any value? Does it really do any good? The the studies that came out before the pandemic, now remember, the studies that started really fast during the pandemic, I don't trust, and and I'll give you my reasons in a moment. But you have 50 years of well-orchestrated studies about the use of a face mask in the presence of a virus, and the conclusion is is pretty pretty obvious. They really don't do anything. They may make some people feel better. We're making our children wear these these face masks. We are keeping them at home. We're we're ruining them 
with this distance learning nonsense. They're becoming depressed. They're getting behind educationally. There was a meeting in Idaho, a a school board of trustees in Idaho Falls, District 91, and they have a pro-mass zealot there, Elizabeth uh, Cogliotti. She's on that board, and she was making this just explaining to the world why these children must wear a face mask and how if they don't they're going to make everybody around them sick and die this this is the nonsense that's coming and it's so tied to the politics she was shouting how she believes that mandatory mask wearing will protect public school children from spreading though the coronavirus the thing is she's wearing a mask and she's trying to talk sitting down she's not standing up I've watched the video, and she's one of those type, you know, she's she really follows, it looks like she's wearing the double mask. You know, that's what we're, you know, wear three masks. Why not five? Why not 20? And she she's talking like like she's out, out, of, out of breath as she's trying to explain. Listen for yourself. And they don't need to visit our school district to make recommendations for everyone. And they currently have recommendations out that with the current level of transmission in Bonneville County, that we should be in hybrid for the elementary schools and virtual for middle schools and high schools. But, and we're not following that, but I do think that we should follow their require, their request and their recommendation for masking. I'm done. So you want to pick and choose? Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to pick and choose. Because I think you might have a point, Paul, that we want to pick some things that are best for our local area. But some things might be best to follow the recommendations of the doctors. And I don't think that picking and choosing is a bad thing to try and make the best decision. Just so you know, the other voice in there was a fellow trustee, Paul Hackey, who tried to reason with her, presenting some facts rather than her emotions. And when he said, so you want to pick and choose, well, you heard what she said. Yes, I do. Yes, I want to pick and choose. I don't care about the science. Everybody must wear a mask because I'm afraid. This is what we're getting. This is the bizarre world in which we live. These are worthless masks when they're put on kids. They don't do anything. They deprive oxygen. Is that a good idea to have young children trying to learn in an oxygen-deprived environment? Why don't we have them sit in a garage with carbon monoxide or, or just wrap them up in a, in a bubble and never let any air in? That means children who attend school in Bonneville County, Idaho, will continue to have to wear a face muzzle. Now, I want to give you another. I quickly want to share one more story here. A lot of churches have tried to abide by the rules and rules put on them, even though they're meaningless regulations in many cases. It shows that the churches are willing to cave and surrender their God-given authority to a secular government, which I find very disturbing and very worrisome. There was a story last week about a young and very healthy pregnant woman. Her name was uh, Deidre Hurston, and 
she was keeping more than 12 feet away from anybody in this uh, Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Dallas, Texas. Apparently, somebody was getting all upset and worried that I'm going to die of the coronavirus because this healthy person and her young children, they're not wearing a mask and I'm going to die. Well, the police showed up and she was asked to leave by this woman police agent. Am I getting arrested? No, not right now. But if you don't listen, you will be. Now, some of you listening probably recognize the music that was playing in the background. Now, remember, this is at a church. And one of the wimpy uh, priests was all worried about this woman, nowhere near anybody, not wearing a mask, and calls the police to remove her. Trespassing. Listen to the words of what was being sung in the background. This is the communion part, the Eucharistic part of the service. It goes, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father draw him. I will raise him up. I will raise him up. I will raise him up on the last day. And then here... Here's one of the verses that really stand up. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, if he die, he shall live forever. I will raise him up. I will raise him up. I will raise him up on the last day. Yes, Lord, we believe that you are Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world, and I will raise him up. I will raise him up. I will raise him up on the last day. They sing about the power of an almighty God, Jesus that conquered illness, death, gives us eternal life. And we're so afraid of this stupid virus. We don't even believe that Jesus is free from getting the virus. We treat the bread and the wine in communion like it's infected. Satan is winning this battle. In the churches, too many of the woke and worthless churches will not stand on the promises of God any longer. If your church is scared of the virus and you're using those little plastic cup things where you have the bread hidden away and you got to peel it off, then you, get, you peel off another layer because and everybody hands them out in gloves and face masks and face shields, get out of that church. You don't believe that Jesus has conquered anything. You believe that Jesus is just a mortal man that gets infected, and the church will make you infected. You're sheep. You're the church wimpy. Something has got to be done. And now our governments try to convince us, in spite of the dropping numbers of COVID cases, COVID hospitalizations, and COVID deaths worldwide, I mean, we're talking huge drops. Well, we can't let our guard down. I know we're getting a worthless vaccination that doesn't stop the transmission and doesn't keep you from getting it. Well, then what are we taking it for? But there's going to be another wave, and we're going to have to lock it all down again and send you all home with your face mask as prisoners. There's politics involved, and it's not just the United States. It's not just Canada. It's not just the United Kingdom. It's not just Europe. It even happens in Australia. 
My guest today is George Christensen, federal member for Dawson. He lives in North, the North Queensland city of McKay, where he was born, raised, and educated. He's now serving his fourth term as an Australian member of parliament. And he's an advocate for traditional values and culture. And he stands up for his region, religious freedom, freedom of speech, and rights. And, and he fights to keep local, local jobs. He's also, like me, studied this pandemic and is concerned about the very strange, unprecedented response that has probably caused more damage. We'll talk some other day more about the numbers. You know, you've heard this program. You know, the numbers are very questionable. And now they're talking about this new surge. we got to get ready to lock it all down again. Forget enjoying your summer here in the northern hemisphere, and you're going into the winter now down there in... Um, down there in Australia. And, and so, George, has this uh, this great surge hit Australia yet like a ton of bricks? Uh, well, no, it didn't. But uh, funnily enough, everything got shut down. Uh, we have uh, two locally acquired cases in the entire nation of Australia in the last 24 hours, as at the time of speaking, mm-hmm. uh, 16 in the last week. All and right. for that, for that, in the last uh, few days, they shut down an entire capital city uh, in the state of Queensland, uh, the state that I live in. Mm-hmm. They shut down an entire capital city, locked it down for three days. And now what we have is a statewide mask mandate. If you are indoors in any public area, you must wear masks, um, which is just insane i'm going to give you uh, because for particularly for listeners in america they won't understand mm-hmm. the geography of the geography of australia brisbane is the city where there were a number of cases all right uh, and actually what what happened is that we're letting in people from overseas but they've got to go through a uh, a quarantine period a two-week quarantine period mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them did have COVID-19, so they were brought to a hospital. Now, uh, the, the a government-run hospital, mind you, and uh, this, is, this says a lot about public health, uh, but the government-run hospital couldn't manage the situation, and, and that's where the COVID cases were acquired that got out into the community. So uh, a very small number, a very, very small number, though, and 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 for that, you know, just a small number of cases in that one city, what's happening is I am 1,300 kilometres from that city. All right. 1,300 kilometres. I don't know if you can do the uh, the conversion into miles, um, but but uh, I had to wear a mask to church this morning. All uh, right. <laughs> if I if I if I didn't wear that mask in church because of the fact that people 1,300 kilometres from me had COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. I could have been fine. I could have been fined two hundred dollars, or I could have gone to jail if I opted not to pay for it. And I can tell you that, um, you know, I, I wore it to church because I, I, not out of respect for the government that's actually imposing this, but out of respect for the church. And the minister who, you know, obviously wants an orderly congregation. Um, True. I, I, I will not comply 
in in other public places, and uh, I could not care less whether I cop a two hundred dollar fine. I won't pay that fine. I'll, if they want to take away my freedom, they can take it fully away and lock me up in a jail cell for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that that'll that'll set me straight. You know, I'm looking here in the United States, and we've got a few places that keep making you know the mass mandates. Uh, you know, they want to keep them like forever. It just seems like they never want to let them go. They don't want this virus to go away. It's almost like they don't want it to go away. No, they now, don't. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain they don't want it to go away because the longer it stays, the more that they can control the population. And uh, this is now getting really, really out of hand. Uh, my... Uh, the, the the escalation in my concern for this issue has just risen sharply. Oh, I know. I've been watching some of your videos week. here in the States from some of the things you've said. I'll tell you who else doesn't want this to go away. The big pharmaceutical companies. Oh, yeah. Making a lot of money out of well, it. Well, here's the problem. We were told we'll have a vaccine and it's like we're going to all get a vaccine and somehow, it'll, you know, COVID-19 will become just a distant, faded, you know, memory in no time. Now the new line is, well, we may have to do this every year because these vaccines really don't work and they cannot keep up with the mutations. Well, they knew that before they started. So, so, so the question is, what, what, is the, what is the point then? I mean, uh, look, I, I'm not going to go down the anti-vax route. Um, you know, I... I uh, you know, people can work out their own views on the vaccinations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the particular vaccines, they can look at all the information that's out there and make a judgment. The only thing I would say about vaccines is that they should not be mandatory, no. and uh, and your 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 medical history always always should be private. Um, but once we roll, and, and, and just on that, what I mean by that is that there should be none of these vaccine passports. Businesses no. should not be asking people, neither should governments be asking people about their private medical records. Mm-hmm. And there should be not, not be any discrimination against people uh, for the fact that they've got a, a particular vaccine or not. Right. Um, that, that being said, that once we have the vaccine rollout and it's reached its zenith, you know, as many people in the population have been vaccinated as we are likely to get. The question is, what then? What then? Well, what's, what's the plan after that? The re- uh, well, the plan, to- the plan is to come up with a new crisis, in my opinion. I really think that, you know, the, the, we, we learn from the Clinton administration in the United States back in the 1990s. Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff to President Clinton, once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and and, yeah. it's, and we're seeing yeah. that well, on a, um, on a global scale. This one go to waste. It's a global uh, scale. And and the worst part is, I'm, I'm telling my new feeling is that it's not really the Wuhan virus. You know, it's, you know, Dr. Fauci is the father of this virus. If you really want to be intellectually honest, he's the guy that was playing gain of function studies on a corona SARS COVID virus starting in 2005 until they had to send it overseas in 2014 when it became illegal here. So American taxpayer money and a virus went to a little unknown community called Wuhan. So yeah. So I, I have the, to where wonder... The, where, the rule, where the rules were very lax there in Wuhan and the... Um, and the scientific facility, obviously, not up to uh, not up to Western standards. That's right. And, uh, um, you know, um, 
It is now. It is now bleedingly obvious, despite what the World Health Organization says. Well, the WHO lie too much. The, the, yeah, they, they do, and they sucked up to China too much. And uh, mm-hmm. But it is bleedingly obvious that that, that, that that lab in Wuhan is where this virus originated. Absolutely. Now, um, well, uh, at least that's where it escaped from. We, I really believe yeah. it originated somewhere in the United States. Now, the original sars cov did come from China in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. Then we started playing with it, and then it went back to China, and then it came out as a new, improved variety of the coronavirus. Mm. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I don't know about that uh, history, but what I do know, just going back to where we're at, is, mm-hmm. that, is that once the vaccines reach their zenith, we just have to let all this stuff go. I mean, really, we have to accept the fact, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but logic would dictate to me, at least, and I probably to you and to many or all of your listeners, that once you have done the only thing that you can do, which is vaccinate against a virus, then we just have to accept the fact that there is the world plus this new virus plus a vaccine. And then... When we've got that lined up, just like all of the viruses beforehand, we move on. They run we move their course. on with our life. Uh, well, it could run its course. Uh, hopefully it will run well, its well, course. Let's go back but, to 2003-2004, SARS-CoV-1. It ran its course. And we yeah. didn't hear about it until 2020, well, 2020. You know, it, when, when it came back as a new, improved version from China, at least as near as we can tell, this new variety of, a, of this COVID virus, you know, this is now COVID-19, you're right. They're, they're, when, do, when do we get back to normal? It's like we yeah. want to, how stupid do we want our children to be? Or uh, let's change that. How ignorant do we want our students to be from lack of a decent education because they're trying to do it at home online? And it's not yeah. working here in the United States. We have kids that are so, we have children that are so far behind, they may never catch up. They just, they're just not going to as they try to push more kids through uh, the school system. How many emotionally damaged children do we need to have? Because they've been locked up in their homes, afraid to go anywhere, having to wear a face covering at a young age. How much trauma, how much damage do we do? Do we, we, do we just cave into the virus and put everybody under permanent, you know, house arrest for a virus? Yeah. We've never done this before. Well, uh, you're, you're, you're right. And my fear is that it will continue on, which is illogical to do. But there has been little logic in this whole pandemic uh, from very the little. very, very beginning. Um, you know, uh, uh, I could... Uh, point to you a senior economist in Australia who actually resigned from his position. Uh, He was a very, very senior official in the Department of Treasury and Finance in Victoria. This fellow's name was Sanjeev Sablok, and uh, he's written a book that I've got in my hot little hands at the moment called The Great Hysteria and the Broken State. And uh, I just want to read you one very small section from this, which just shows where we've been and what we're likely to keep on seeing if logic actually does not um, make, a, make a reappearance on the scene anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And he says this, the lockdowns may have killed hundreds of thousands of people, 
if not yet millions across the world. But this is not just about deaths that are taking place as we speak. Lockdowns will leave behind a long trail of tragedy and devastation well into the future, reducing the lifespan of the entire current generation. We also know that Western nations, which had the capacity to organise quickly, could have easily saved the lives of the most of the elderly who have died from COVID-19 in these countries if they had followed their plans and focused mainly on the high-risk segment of the population. Mm-hmm. But they were busy spending their scarce time in getting people involved, police involved rather, in arresting people outdoors without a mask, people who face virtually no risk of death from COVID-19. In other words... We are seeing mass-scale crime and crimes against humanity of two types. A, crimes of commission, which is additional non-COVID casualties, as well as B, crimes of omission, failure to avert preventable COVID-19 deaths, mm-hmm. a mass massacre. Governments, this is a key part of this statement, listen to this. Governments are not authorised by any law, by analogy to burn down additional homes and kill unaffected people in order to save those who might be at risk of being engulfed in a bushfire. Um, this, that, that I have just not heard that summed up so uh, brilliantly and clearly and cogently as that. Um, we have burnt down entire villages Absolutely. in order to save a village. Um this needs to end. This this is just uh, mass insanity that's going on at the moment. And uh, I got to tell you, I have been opposing uh, the mask wearing. And mm-hmm. yeah, some people say to me, "Oh, why you get so worked up about masks?" Well, you know, it's always just something, uh, Bishop Bob. It's always just a mask. Mm-hmm. It's just two weeks of lockdown. It's just another couple of months. Oh, it's just non-essential businesses. It's just non-essential workers. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, well, you don't consider yourself non-essential when you're the breadwinner of your (laughs) home. You know, you are essential to somebody, your family, you know, who makes, who has the uh, right to make the decision? What is essential? Well, that's right. Certainly not government. And uh, And, and notice the folks who work in government are the ones who keep getting their paycheck who make these decisions. You know, that's right. That's, that's the sad part. And it's always just something with freedom. It is always just something. It was just the communists, just the socialists, just the communists in Nazi Germany. It was just the Jews. Um, You know, it is always just something. And it is always, always that freedoms are taken away Mm -hmm. out of fear, out of fear, out of fear and out of um, government saying to people, well, we need to provide security and safety. Uh, in in you look at the history, particularly the modern history of the world, where any dictatorship has come to office, um, always about safety. Particularly in the West, it is always about safety. Always about that's safety. what they to- that's what the the soldiers told the Jews they were taking out of the ghettos in uh, in Poland. They were saying, "Hey, the, get on the train. We're taking you to a place of safety." Yeah, that's what they told. Look, them. I, don't, I, I don't want to escalate it from wearing masks to the Holocaust. There is no causal link between the two, right? But what I'm saying is, if you allow a small liberty mm-hmm. to be eroded, like your freedom, right, to choose not to wear something, mm-hmm. your freedom to choose to breathe freely, 
your freedom to walk around outside without a mask on that's imposed under government diktat. I mean, that is a freedom. And the worst part is, and the worst part, you know, I've done enough research because of the work that I did last year uh, in emergency management and the reading that I do because of this radio show, the people I talk to, when you get to what I call real doctors and real scientists, they have to be careful what they say because of the, you know, the thought police that we have in this day and age, that they consider wearing a mask total baloney. And they also yeah. consider it dangerous for some people to do it. Look, um, without a doubt, but uh, it, uh, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. Uh, but uh, just to finish my point about the masks, mm-hmm. um, you know, it starts off with that erosion of a very small liberty. That's right. And if a, if a government can get away with that without people raising a peep, then, okay, how far can we push this barrow? Um, if they don't raise a peep with a complete city being locked down, mm-hmm. um, then what else can we do? Then what else can we do? So there needs to be pushback, and the pushback needs to be there to keep the government honest and keep the government knowing that erosion of freedom is going to be met with some form of resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I can talk about this with doctors as well. You've just raised this. Uh, I mm-hmm. was speaking with a with a local doctor um, last night. Uh, I, 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 I would love to divulge details, but actually I can't. Oh, I understand why. Into, into immense trouble. And, and what's happened in Australia, and he was lamenting this fact, is that we have government regulators over uh, medicine and the medical profession. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, we have the media and the left saying to people like myself, oh, you're Mm. not an expert, you're not a doctor, Uh, all the doctors are saying this, Um, you know, you should should listen to what the doctors are saying. Mm -hmm. You should listen to the science, listen to what the doctors are telling you. Yeah, we've been listening to Dr. Fauci here for how long, and and he keeps changing (laughs) his mind. Well, I was listening to my local doctor last night um, who was telling me that actually he has some grave concerns about a range of things that are being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't elaborate on any of them uh, because it was a private conversation, but he did tell me that he can't say anything about it publicly because if he does, he could be dragged before one of these government regulators and questioned as to why he deviated from what was considered medical orthodoxy. Uh, And so if he says anything about any aspect of COVID-19, the virus, his concerns about government overreach, his concerns about government policy, his concerns about, uh, um, you know, the vaccine or the rollout or, or whatever, uh, that he could be deregistered. He could That's be right. um, he could be suppressed or, or, or suspended for mm-hmm. six months uh, at very least uh, and possibly lose his license to practice medicine. And also lose his right together. to be on Facebook. So, so, yeah, well, that's happened. That's happened a lot. But, but you know, it, it just shows the utter um, stupidity, but almost – Actually, it's not stupidity. It's it's cleverness. It's 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 real, real cleverness from the left. They say to us, "Oh, shut up! Just listen to the doctors." And then, on the other hand, what they do is they silence any doctor that actually wants to dissent. Right. So exactly. the only people only people that are speaking are the people who have that same voice. And look, you know, 
I'm in government. I'm I'm a I'm a member of parliament, uh, the equivalent of a U.S. congressman, in the in the governing party. Mm-hmm. But but what you've got to understand, and I'm pretty sure there may be similar sort of things in the U.S. because of uh, you know I hear all about Dr. Fauci and the FDA. Well, well we have um, sort of independent. Uh, government regulators that that pretty much are a law unto themselves and same here um, same here yeah yeah so in, in australia we call them uh, uh i think they're called uh, legislated um uh, i can't remember the terminology sorry but it, it's a it's a it's a legislated independent organization mm-hmm. basically so it's funded by the government but pretty much runs its own show and um uh, you know, you sort of think, oh well, that's good. These these places aren't going to be politicised by governments. Oh, you want to bet? I'm not, sure, I'm not, I'm not, not so sure about this anymore because oh, they're definitely politicised. Yeah, yeah, well, they are here. Uh, they, they definitely are politicised. But um, the point is that uh, uh, they're technocrats, and I think that one thing that I have uh, have realised is technocracy is the worst form of government because it's accountable to no one accountable to no one apart from someone's just saying well this is is the science you got to follow it oh i understand listen i want to take a quick break and when we come back on the other side i want to pick up this conversation and i want to change direction a little bit you know we talk a lot on this program about things like the virus and i wanted to get a little quick update that basically what's happening in Australia is what's happening in much of the Western world. But I want to really turn something that's really on my heart. Here in the United States, well, we got the word about a week ago that the number of people that are now affiliated with a, with any kind of a faith group, and it doesn't matter if it's, if it's Christian, Jewish, or even Muslim or other, for the first time in American history is dipped below 50%. We're down to 47% of people in this country are people of faith. And I think that is going to be part of our undoing. And I'm going to ask how things have been happening in Australia when we get back right after this. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. What do you do with a used tomb? Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, there once was a Jewish man who apparently was getting on in life. He decided it was time to start preparing a tomb for himself and perhaps his wife. Things seemed to be going real well, leading up to a very nice funeral. Only things didn't quite work out. The man's name was Yosef of Ramata or Joseph of Arimathea, and he became a secret follower of the rabbi Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, out of compassion, when Yeshua was publicly executed, Joseph gave up his tomb and placed Yeshua's body inside. But even that didn't work out as planned. You see, a tomb is something that most people don't lend out with the idea of getting it back. But the rabbi happened to be God, and so he was only interested in borrowing it. So he borrowed it, rose from the dead, and returned it. So Joseph had his tomb again, but now people saw it as a place of joy and hope and victory in life. And undoubtedly, they were going there to look and rejoice. A tomb is supposed to be a place of mourning and tears, not joy and victory. You want people to cry at your funeral, not bring tambourines. He was left with a broken tomb. Jesus ruined a perfectly good tomb and a perfectly planned funeral. And that's just like him. He doesn't mind ruining our funerals, spoiling our sorrows, 
crashing our self-pity parties, messing up our bitterness and interrupting our gloominess, wrecking our anxieties and our fears. And thank God he does. Let him ruin your funeral, my friend. Let him crash that indulgence of self-pity. Let him throw a big wrench into that bitterness and mess up that whole thing with joy and demolish it with thanksgiving and laughter. Let him mess up your funeral so you can start living. Happy resurrection, my friend. Want more? Ask for the tomb. Now the free gift for you, from the sands of the Judean wilderness, to the wings of the cherubim, to the writings of the rabbis that prove Jesus is the Messiah, the awesome long-hidden mystery now revealed, the mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it, and sapphires guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get these free gifts? Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to minister with me together, bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and to the unreached peoples of all nations of five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, L-O-D-I, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah, Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our program, Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. My guest today is member of the Australian Parliament, George Christensen. I'm going to get back to our interview in just a quick moment. I want to thank all of you that support this ministry and this program. If you haven't gone there before and you can, visit our website, truth2ponder.com truth2ponder.com Perhaps you can help us pay the shortwave airtime bill. You can do that by mailing a check to Ancient Word Radio made out to Ancient Word Radio 21 Berkshire B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E 21 Berkshire Lane number 263 add that 263 in Sky Valley, Georgia and the zip code 30537 As we went to the break, I was asking, getting ready to ask George this question. I've noticed a decline. I mentioned this before the break, that in the United States, for the first time, the majority of people are no longer aligned to any kind of faith. And I think our nation is is in a serious decline. George, how are things, how does it compare in Australia? Uh, It's been on the decline. Uh, Faith has been on the decline in Australia for quite some time. And I I think that we are pretty much following what's happening in the United States. Um, 52.2% of our population five years ago uh, declared themselves to follow some particular denomination of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, There were... uh, uh, very small percentages of other religions, um, Buddhists uh, about two and a half percent, Muslims about two and a half percent, Hindus about two percent, uh, and then Sikhs and Jews about half a percent each. So um, the, the largest growing uh, proportion of people were atheists, uh, yeah. and that's uh, that's very very sad. Same here, because uh, uh, Australia. The name Australia, uh, people want to, you know, if they're interested in knowing where that come from, well, uh, there were 
two two um, reasons that we got that name. One, it was called Terra Australis Incognita by a lot of um, uh, southern explorers, uh, which just means the uh, great unknown southern land. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, one of the fellas that um, that did arrive and and uh, and and found the place. Um, uh, apparently, his name was Pedro Ferdinand de Quiros, a right. Portuguese fellow, and he called the place La Australia Espírito Santo, which means the Southland, the Great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so uh, that should have been Australia's destiny. Well, you, well yeah, uh, would you think the city of Lost Angels or Sacramento, you know, being named after communion in California, it didn't hold either. Yeah, it, it certainly didn't. But just like you, we have a constitution. Mm-hmm. And in our constitution, uh, it starts with humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God. Uh, that... that uh, that constitution uh, sets us up as a people of faith and a Amen. religious people and a Christian Christian nation. Um, but sadly, it is becoming de-Christianized. One of the dangers that I see in this world today, we're given freedom, which is a good thing, but we, we, we've found those that don't like people of faith are trying to use the power of government, the power of public education to get rid of Christianity because they don't want the moral compass or conscience in their life. And this is what I think if you look back to the 1960s in Europe in particular, look at France, look at look at post-World War II Germany, and look what started happening by the 1960s in England, the rapid decline of people even affiliating with the church and if you go to England, it is really dismal the tiny percentage of people. It's such a little tiny minority of anybody that bothers to go to church anymore there. And then it's happening that way in Canada, the United States, now Australia, that we're, we're coming into a time where Christianity is no longer, it's, it's not a matter of being tolerated anymore. It's going to be a matter of being persecuted in the not too distant future for our faith. Now, when I was yeah. when I was younger, you know, let's say fifty-five years ago, I, I never worried about somebody taking away my freedom or my rights because I declared myself as a Christian. I never thought twice about it. But mm. now, but now, if you're a person of faith and you share that faith in certain places, they want to shut you down. They want to undo your social crediting, as they call it. Because, you know, you're, you must be a hater. You must be an evil, mean person because you believe in that religion stuff. And it's bad for our children. <laughs> and we're, and this, is, this is what we're starting to see in the United States. And it was already happening in England 20-some-odd years ago. And, and, and look how far they've fallen in terms of the number of people that even go to church anymore. It's down to just a hand, less than 10%. And now we're on our way to that here in the United States. You're on the way to it in Australia. And it really means that the way Christians will be worshiping, I believe, in the next not that many years, um, true Christians are going to be in the minority. And they may find themselves worshiping more quietly, just like they had to in Rome. I, I see that day coming 
that they don't want us in the in the public square because no, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that those coming uh, in Australia and I, pro- I probably don't think from what I see that it's coming in the USA I think it's already here mm-hmm. um, it's a matter of how much and how much restriction well, that's right, uh, and I could give you, but uh, what is so much to say about this issue? But I'll give you, but one example of of how it's already here, and I could give plenty of them. But this is probably the most um, egregious example: the Catholic Archbishop of Hobart, his name being Archbishop Julian Porteous, mm-hmm. uh, sent a a missive, uh, a, a pamphlet, out to. Uh, Catholic school students uh, within his diocese. And we're not talking and, public uh, school students. We're talking those we're talking who go Catholic to a private schools. Catholic school. Okay. Correct. It was sent through the Catholic school infrastructure uh, and obviously sent to parents who were presumably Catholic uh, that were sending their kids to Catholic schools. So uh, the, the, the missive, the document, was about the Catholic Church's teaching on marriage. Uh, now, uh, this is not really something that should raise an eyebrow. A Catholic clergyman, a, a bishop nonetheless, sending out a teaching of the Catholic Church on marriage mm-hmm. to Catholic school students to hand to their Catholic parents. But what ended up happening was someone complained about it to this uh, jumped-up kangaroo court that we have yep. uh, in in the state of Tasmania in Australia called uh, the Anti-Discrimination Commission. Mm-hmm, like they uh, have in uh, Canada. Uh, they have those in Canada oh too now. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, please, please, if they ever bring them into the United States, push back, push back. We have them in every state, and then we have a federal one here in Australia. And all of these outfits do is just infringe upon people's right to free speech and freedom of expression. I know. And what happened What happened in Tasmania in this anti-discrimination commission, this jumped-up kangaroo court, a uh, you know, a star chamber for free speech or anti-free speech, they actually uh, got a complaint in. They ordered the Archbishop of Tasmania to explain why he uh, he did that. And, you know, a story broke out in the public. And I think that this was in the lead up to the uh, – uh, the referendum or uh, plebiscite we had in Australia mm-hmm. on uh, on same-sex marriage. And I think that the uh, same-sex marriage advocates got a little bit um, uh, a little bit worried that actually uh, if they continued to pursue that matter, that uh, it would have a detrimental impact on the vote. So they dropped it at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But the commissioner, the person in charge of this tribunal, this jumped-up kangaroo court, actually was on the record as saying that they were disappointed that the complaint was withdrawn because they indeed believed that the archbishop had a case to answer uh, and when they were pressed as to why they had a, the Archbishop had a case to answer, because they said he portrayed what the church believed as fact, not as his or the church's opinion. Now, this is uh, this is diabolical. Well, number one, the, the government should be the arbit- should never be the arbitrator of things of the faith to begin with. But that's correct. But, but this is the situation in Australia we have right now. Oh, it's coming here. It, it, a, it'll, a it'll, it'll be here. A, a Catholic clergyman can't actually say uh, what their church teaches 
on matters which may which which there may be people in the community opposed to um and so uh if you well, if you do so, you could potentially be dragged before some government tribunal. To it's already ha- it's happening in Canada already, and I keep warning people it's going to come to the United States. We're we're a little slow on some things here, and thankfully that's one of them. But it is coming here, and I keep telling people that listen to this program, whether you're listening in Australia, Canada, the United States, or anywhere even on the continent of Africa. All this mentality is coming globally. This is not going to be, you're not going to be isolated. The day is coming. I never thought I would see what I'm seeing in Europe and England and then Canada, now Australia, the United States. It's coming everywhere. This, the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, according to the Apostle John, it's already here. And we're just seeing more of this flexing of the muscle, more empowering as more begin to follow that spirit of Antichrist with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And so the one thing, look, uh, we're not going to turn the the ship around in terms of the number of people no, who, are, uh, no. who are Christian. Um, but the number one thing we have to do, and uh, I'm echoing Rod Dreyer here, and if you... Uh, you or your listeners haven't read it, I would really encourage someone uh, to pick up the book, uh, The Benedict Option, oh, and, yes. and read read that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also got out a new book now called Live Not By Lies, which I'm reading at the moment and is just as good. But in The Benedict Option, um, Rod Dreyer says that the most important thing that we must do now is pursue laws that enshrine religious liberty and the expression of religious liberty or expression of our faith. Um, mm-hmm. Without that, we are in big trouble, big, big trouble. Amen. And Amen. Uh, right, right now that is one of the things that I am working on, at least in Australia, is laws uh, at a federal level, which would essentially override these state-based laws, which seek to, um, you know, have people hauled in into the dock uh, to answer for whatever expression of faith that they have uh, said that's fallen mm-hmm. afoul of the uh, of the uh, politically correct commissars out there. I know. Uh, freedom of speech and freedom to express your faith is sacrosanct. It is absolutely sacrosanct. Absolutely. If you don't have the freedom to say what you feel, to actually express your faith, faith being your belief, belief being based on ideas, um, what do we have? We are no longer then sovereign people. We may as well pack it up and just go to Beijing. <laughs> you know, that's that's the reality of it. Uh, we may as well be living in a totalitarian country if you can't do that. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking, and I want to just share a quick thought. Think about this, and I want to watch your feelings. I've been realizing that a lot of Christians in the United States and other parts of the world have been in what I call the woke, the church of the woke. In other words, these are so-called mainline churches that once proclaimed the glorious gospel, once were standing on the promises of Christ our King, and they worship the Creator, and now they worship more the creation. They've abandoned much of Scripture, and they're also on the decline. And a lot of people, a lot, there are a lot of people that called themselves Christians that have never known Christ. 
there are a lot of people that have never heard of any of it because their parents never took them to a church. We are in a time right now that I really believe worldwide, Australia, every well, anywhere in the world, truthfully, there's no place. The gospel needs to be preached. There are people out there that may have been in, I'll just say like the American Episcopal Church up here, you know, our church, the Episcopal Church in the United States, maybe maybe a Methodist or even a Lutheran church that has become very nominal because they've walked away from the truth of the Scripture in the, some of these churches. And they've never really known the Lord. They never really were a churchgoer, never really were Christian when you take the biblical definition. And the church, those those of us that are believers, we have a big job ahead of us. You know, this is this is unsure. Well, there's a lot of seed to be sown, a lot of fields that need to be made ripen for that harvest. And, and what can we do to help Australia really be bathed in in a revival? What's it going to take to happen there? Well, I'm not sure what it's going to take to uh, get that revival. Uh, what I know is uh, reiterating what I said that without um, religious liberty uh there there will be no chance for a revival mm-hmm. because uh you will only be able to speak about the aspects of christianity that are tolerated and uh yeah and that uh, includes even uh, inside of your church building yeah that's right that right that's right and one day it might include inside of your own home mm-hmm. i believe uh, it's on its way there now and and, and so uh, is a half truth the truth that's the question um you know, I don't believe that it is. Uh, we we have a faith. The faith has got to be uh, believed in its fullest, mm-hmm. uh, not not just in parts of it, parts of it that meet uh, or that, that 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 do not upset uh, the zeitgeist or, or, or the uh, or the government of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, look, I, I think that the only thing that we can do at the moment is just keep on speaking the truth amen uh, the prob- the problem that we have though is that within some of our churches uh the culture has actually infected the church rather than the exactly church it, instead of being what should what when saint yeah. paul says we are in this world not of it we've reversed that in too many of the churches we are the worldly church we worship the world we worship the creation not the creator well, the, the, there is another saying that Christians and the church are to be the salt and light to the world. Um, uh, salt, um, uh, it, it, it can sometimes be, uh, depending on how salty it is, uh, a very nasty taste to the mouth uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and light. Um, while it uh, brightened things up, when shone directly in people's eyes can be annoying. But you know what? Um, the, the, the It seems that the sour taste of the politically correct woke world yep. and the darkness of of that politically correct world has actually infected the church rather than the other way around. Amen, exactly, exactly. What else can you kind of share that's happening in your part of the world that would be of interest before we have to come to the end of our program today? Well, the only other thing that I want to mention that's of interest is uh, is the Communist Party of China. Um, we uh, in Australia are in a real 
dangerous spot um, geographically and also mm-hmm. economically because we've 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 really hitched our wagon to uh, uh, communist China in terms of who trade. hasn't <laughs> yeah yeah who hasn't I mean we've done it thinking that uh, oh they're going to change they're going to change but actually you know what uh, they're going to change us that's right and uh, that's that's their uh, modus operandi they're going to enslave us. I'm very, very fearful about this. I mean, I, I, I sort of look to the issues in my own country and I do despair, uh, the issues that really are across the West. Um, but uh, look, you know, the the kind of regime and the kind of, uh, of, of, of society that communist China wants to impose on the rest of the world that it imposes on its own citizens who should be free mm-hmm. uh, is one that we've all got to be very worried about. And we're seeing a lot, a lot of action uh, in in our part of the world. We're seeing China fly into Taiwanese airspace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing China uh, have have vessels that are uh, making incursions into Philippines airspace. Oh yeah, We've seen Ch- China actually hack into the Australian government's internet network. Um, in fact, the parliament, the parliament, uh, the parliament of Australia was actually uh, its internet network was brought down uh, just a couple of weekends ago. Mm. Uh, this is scary sort of stuff. So uh, I don't know where it's going to end, but I do think one thing, and I don't say it lightly, that war is coming, and we have to prepare. You know, George, I can't agree with you anymore. I think we are headed to a time of extreme turmoil and yeah, it could be some kind of war. There's no doubt in my mind. Our world has slipped in in such a way. We have perils and dangers, the likes we have never seen before. George, thank you for being my guest on the program today. Uh, George Christensen, Member of Parliament from Australia. I'm going to have you back on pretty soon because you have a lot to share and I think our audience needs to hear. When I started the program today, I made the statement trying to strike a balance. And this was what this program is trying to do. I'm trying to find a balance between the news you need, the information and truth you need, and also the hope that the world cannot give. That's what this program is all about. Tomorrow, I plan to spend a good amount of time talking a little bit at the beginning of the program about some of the news of the day. Then I want to give you a message of hope and also some marching orders, things we can begin to do, listening to what God is saying to your heart and mind and others. He's trying to prepare his children, if you'll listen. Do you believe in the work that we're doing here? Consider a gift to keep it on shortwave. And you can make a, you, your gift can be made to Ancient Word Radio. That is Ancient Word Radio. And you can mail it to me here at Truth to Ponder at 21 Berkshire, B E R K S H I R E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263 in Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code is 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth 
in a darkening world.